and we would custom make like all of this swag. And in the beginning, I was very much like even trying to put a different our our swag designer like in a box of what I wanted him to do. And I'd be like, this is the exact pattern that I want on it, the exact colors, the like the exact quote, like the exact everything. And then um, and things would come back and be like, okay, this is really good. This is really good. And it wasn't until like he decided to kind of step outside of the box and be like, hey, I made some ideas that I think would be good and would look good. What do you think? And I was like, oh my gosh, this is way better. Welcome to Big Business Mistakes, hosted by Brandon and Kaylin Poulin. Here, the most successful entrepreneurs tell jaw-dropping stories and lessons behind their biggest business mistakes so that you don't make them. Ditch the fake highlight reel and get the raw truths and golden lessons of what it actually takes to scale your business from those who have done it. This is Big Business Mistakes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Business Mistakes show with Kaylin and Brandon. Brandon Pullen. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about all marketing mistakes that we made, which is a lot. Like the marketing department and our team was was big, but just how we didn't evolve things, like the things that we overlooked or didn't put enough, um, didn't keep our hands on enough, uh, the things that we delegated too fast, and the mistakes that we made in marketing overall. Um, cause it's like the opportunity cost of the things that we did, uh, or actually didn't do in our marketing, uh, I think had a huge impact on our business. Yeah. I mean, we did a lot of things, right? Yeah, for sure. But we did a lot of things wrong. <laughs> yeah. Like, like on, on the right side of things, we got billions of views. Yeah. We spent $50 million in profitable ad spend mm-hmm. and we had at one point about 14 people, I think, in the marketing team yeah, all together. And we were cranking. We were posting 40 different pieces of content a day. Yeah, across platforms. Across all the platforms. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot going on. Yeah. So we a learned lot. a lot. We failed. We want to share that with you guys today. We want to <laughs> blow your minds. We want to talk about content. We want to talk about creative. Mm-hmm. We want to talk about the team yeah. and how they worked the edits. We want to talk about um, the strategy behind how we sold things and mm-hmm. and some of the mistakes there so that you guys can learn from and crush it. That's what yeah. we do today. So so you don't have to do what we did. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. We'll teach you the good, the good things that you should do that we did, but also the things that you should not do. Yeah. So you're clear of. Yeah. Let's like dive right in. <laughs> okay. What do you want to talk about first? Well, I think you should talk about content month to month. Yeah. You were, you were like telling me about this one. I was like, oh, that's gonna be so good. Yeah. So one of the biggest mistakes I think I made like in leading the marketing team and department is, you know, every like quarter um, and maybe a couple times a year or maybe really annually, it wasn't really that much back in the day. We would look at it and be like, okay, what types of content are working for us? Like organically ads, like what's actually working. And then we would see like, okay, testimonies are working for us right now. When we post testimonies of women and their story, like those are really working. They're converting really well organically across all the social pages. All right. So let's, let's determine slots to make sure that we're posting like a testimony a day. So we'll have like some type of awesome post that goes out a value post, like a recipe or me telling a story. Right. And guys, there's like a, there's an entire (laughs) masterclass that she built around this process. That's like, 
so much, way too much to share right now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Of like all the SOPs and systems that we actually built, um, you know, through through the learning process of, of the marketing department, for sure. And so we would, we'd evaluate like what things, I, we call them slots, like our slots, we only have X amount of slots across every social platform uh, uh, without doing too much and being like too much out there and too many posts a day. Like here's the slot allotment for each channel and each type of content. So say on Instagram, it's going to be two posts a day. On Facebook, it's going to be two posts a day. On Snapchat, it's going to be five you know, stories. On Instagram, it's going to be five stories. And so we had a certain amount of, of allotment and then we determine what needs to fill those slots, right? And the way that we had determined that is by breaking down what's actually working. And so we'd say, okay, the testimonies are working, right? Like we came to the conclusion testimonies work. And so we put the testimonies in and say the other thing is like recipes are really working for us. So we put them in and then we just keep doing it because we're like, oh, they work. So let's just keep rolling with what's working. But we never came back. We didn't come back like on a month to month basis because as seasons change, as uh, women are, are cycling through like our warm audience, that content really stopped working. And so we looked back after like, you know, a year of having the same slot allotment organically and saying, um, okay, uh, looking at the data here, like testimonies haven't been working for us at all. And we've been posting a testimony a day for the last year. And at some point they stopped working and we have been filling the slot with something that is not actually acquiring customers any longer. Like these testimonies aren't working. And so the mistake that we made was not actually using the data on a month to month basis to determine what the slots for the next month should, we, should be just because it used to work. Just because the meme videos that like, I remember the, you know, the, I did like the first meme video and I even did, you know, uh, a couple for, for other people and, and actually taught on this back in the day. Like, you know, the meme videos where it's like the video and then it has like the angry faces above it. And it's like my biggest mistake, you know, those types of things. And, um, they, they would stop converting. Right. And then we never changed and evolved what we were actually doing in the content. And so I would say, what you have to do the lesson here would be month to month, every month with your marketing, your marketing team and the ones that are going to drive that those initiatives forward, you need to have them report back and they would bring a report to the table and say, okay, here's what's working this month. Here's the types of content and the buckets of types of content that are actually working. And when we talk about these things, here's what's working, what's no longer working, testimonies aren't hitting like they were last, uh, the month before last. And, um, recipes aren't working and these types of posts aren't working. And so we can actually evaluate and say, okay, well, what do we do now that is working? Show me what's working. Okay. These three things are really working. Let's lean more into that. Let's develop more of that content, that type of content and mm -hmm. really, really yep. let it and scale. I think one of the, one of the big things was bucketing them. Yeah. So it was like, okay, we have a product in use, right? So mm -hmm. it'd be like someone using the product, like a lifestyle. Yep. And then you'd have a um, then you'd have like a talking head, right? Mm -hmm. So it'd be, it would Me, be her yeah. or one of the other influencers just like holding the, the camera talking. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we'd have like, okay, customer testimony before and after picture. Yep. Right. So whatever the creative types are for you, we would bucket those. And, and so I think what, what you're saying, a part of it was really a downfall on the internal accountability yeah. and the KPIs that mm -hmm. were given to the people in charge. So so you've got to have a, my favorite thing to do is just meeting, reoccurring, yeah. calendar, people involved, agenda. Mm -hmm. We're going to look at the content for the last month. Yep. 
look at look at the engagement, look yeah. at the reach. We do like right? top five performers, and then adjust five. it every single month. Yep. Right, and so there was times where. It's almost like you get so busy in one area of the business mm -hmm. that you forget about this other area over here. And if you don't have that system set up yeah. to re rework it. And so think like right now, like what's, what's something in your business that's happening right now on a reoccurring basis that hasn't been checked in on, that yeah. hasn't been looked at lately, mm -hmm. right? Where you can go back and go, oh man, we're spending man hours. We're spending, yeah. we're, we're spending advertising dollars in this area that we kind of just like is sitting over here dormant. And so I think that was like one platform that we were doing that on that, which just was not pr producing any results. Yeah. And so you have to balance like that. Like we we're having someone make quote cards all the time because everyone was doing like quote cards, like extract something from a video that you said was really good and make quote cards and post them. And we're like posting all these quote cards that once you looked at the data, did absolutely nothing. So we're literally paying someone to sit there and look at a video, pick out a quotes, make graphics for them and <laughs> posting them and spend all these man hours, all this time and energy on something that never performed for us. And so we, we would literally get together once a month and do top five performers, top like, and bottom five performers. And then we dissect, okay, this is one testimony that did work. Why did this one work? And the others didn't. And so then we'd break down like, okay, this story and this type of testimony worked. So let's find more testimonies like this one these testimonies that are on the bottom yeah. or these recipes did not work. Why didn't they work? Yeah, oh, you like, deconstruct it exactly. to find what elements created Yeah, And we did success. this with email headlines. We did this with email headlines. I did this with ads and I did this with all organic content every single month. Yep. And this is like your, whoever's the best at creative, whether it's you and you're small and you're growing, mm -hmm. or if you do have staff, like who's the best at creative, like this is what their main job should be. Yeah. Because when it comes to your creative that you're outputting and your marketing, mm -hmm. like like right now we're doing this episode and we're going to look and we're going to say, okay, how many downloads does this episode have? How many views does this have? Why do people like it? Right. Yeah. And how do we do more of that? It's really just this, this process of, of just deductive reasoning. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what were the elements that were good about it? Yeah. Like what hit? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And in that course, like that you were talking about, one of the things that I actually broke down was. I go as far to say, like, was it the copy? Was it the image? Like, was it engaging? Like, here's the things that I look for on every piece of content that was a top performer or bottom performer and say, like, was it that the copy was good? Was it the hook? Was it the headline? Was it the how the call to action was presented? Like, what was it that made it work? And it was the hot chick in the video <laughs> that was doing it. Yeah, I mean, those are always in the top performers. So <laughs> guys, I'm like, we, we had like 75 influencers all making content, I could not get them to outconvert Kaylin. Yeah. <laughs> I had to be number one. Well, you know, you are. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think from your perspective, what do you think some of the marketing mistakes were? Um, I think I think we 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 tried so many different machines. Yeah. Right. And ultimately there, there's a machine meaning you have to keep cranking it out. Yeah. But I think that we should have gone for quality yeah. over quantity mm -hmm. with the team we had. Yeah, that's just what was being like preached at the time, you know? Yeah, it's like- Pump oh, out as much as you can. Pump out as much. And I think I think that um, if you get out enough content through the process of making it, you, you figure out what quality is, mm -hmm. right? Like you make enough and then you're like, okay, now we know what quality is and we can just focus on that. Mm -hmm. So I think you have to like make a lot to figure that out. But ultimately- you're going to tell your team, hey, we want to hit X amount of, pub of published slots, right? Yep. So whether it's tweets or 
um, Instagram or wh- whatever the, Reels, the platform is. Yeah. It's like, you know, we're sitting here and we're recording this right now. And before the episode, we're sitting here and we're like, okay, what are all the best mistakes that we can talk about? Right. Because we want to create quality in the content. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it's going to take a lot of doing it because we haven't done a podcast before. We haven't done a, a YouTube show before. Right. It's going to take a lot of reps for us to continue to figure out what's best and adjust it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you have to have that mindset. And, and so I think one of the, the mistakes was we gave the team the quantity goals and put those above yep. the like. So, so you got to balance, right? And the balance is this. How much quantity do we put out and how much pressure and emphasis do we put on the slots or hitting the publishing goals? Yeah. And then how much engagement, revenue, right? Like results, clicks, like like what we're trying to generate, right? Mm-hmm. So So it's that balance between the quality, which I would say is like the result we want from it and then how many things we publish, right? Because yeah. it's a balance between the two. Because you could spend more time on one thing and make it better and it probably do better better results ultimately and yield more revenue than three things in, in quantity mm-hmm. if, if you spent more time on it, right? Yeah. And so that's like what you've got to find. Yeah, and also understanding what your audience, how your audience actually wants to consume you, right? And so I was doing a lot of things that like was not how my audience wanted to consume me. And by that, I mean, like when I would do a Facebook live, there would be thousands of people on their live. Right. And so that's the way my audience wanted to consume my content. And so being in touch with that and saying, okay, when I do reels or when I do lives, like that's how people want to consume my content and doubling down on that instead of trying to go and make all these different types of content and doing quote cards or recipes or transformations. If I would have just doubled down on the way that people wanted to consume me and did more of that instead of trying to make plans and strategy and process to have all these other things that people did not want to consume content from me like that, then I think it would have kept me on a, a better trajectory of, of, and, and we would have gotten a lot more reach and in turn a lot more revenue if I would have just understood the concept of how does my audience actually want to consume me? Yeah, that's good. That's good. Another thing that just came to mind is that we, we spent a lot of money creating stuff from scratch. Yeah when the content's already out there, mm. it's already out there. It's being talked about in the news, yeah. right? Talking about current events, mm-hmm. like the current events in your industry are perfect places for you to go and like, just talk about, like, I see it all the time. People literally make TikToks and video shorts of just like, there's a news article up in the background and their heads in front of it. And they're like talking about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's content, yep. right? Like you don't need to create something new. Mm-hmm. right? You don't have to rack your brain for ideas. Yeah. Like, like you don't, you, you just pull from what's happening in the current marketplace. Mm-hmm. It's all out there. Yeah. And what your and customers are actually saying yeah, right now. And it's, and it's what they're saying right now. It's the conversation that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's something that, that I've got to do better at and got to do more of. And, and so we didn't do much of that. Right. Like, like you're like, Oh, like in health, you know, and we're, we're speaking a lot to the health side, right? Because that's where, where we spent a decade in at Lady Boss building. And so in the health side of things like, oh, well, it never really changes, right? Like the fundamentals of how you get healthy and like our products and like they, they didn't really evolve, but people were always talking about different approaches. Yeah. I remember you did this video and it was like totally yeah. like, like throwing rocks at the keto diet. Oh yeah. Man. And it was like one of the most viral successful viral things we ever did. And you did. made me delete it. 
I did. I was like, that was a mistake. That was a mistake, guys. Because I was throwing rocks and people were aligned with me and people were not. Uh, and the ones that aligned with me were our best customers. And yep. it was 50-50 down the middle of people either freaking hated me, which they're going to hate me anyways. It's it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and then the other side, like, loved it and loved it. And we signed it. up. We, we had, like, one of our best weeks that week. Yeah. And I'll tell you, though, I'll tell you, though, afterwards, I was like, Kaylin, that was dumb. Yeah. Like, let's make another one. And, and so she like, made another one. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, it, it was like, you you can't be afraid to offend, yeah. offend people. Really. Yeah, and I think well, the like, other one of my most like viral videos, like back in the day when I was just controversial. doing like, yeah, yeah. Controversial things that was like happening real time in the world was when Victoria's Secret came out with like the body, like the, um, the, they had like a, a body, uh, like marketing campaign or whatever. And like the perfect body or something like that. And I did a video Oh, because it. it was, it was like bigger girls that. No, no, no. It was like here, like the perfect body, but it was, it was literally all like, you know, model S type people. And it was like, that's not what like the perfect body looks like, like, you know, and, and so people were on other, like both sides of the fence and a lot of people on, on my side of the fence, just saying like, thank you for saying this, because when this came out of like, this is the perfect body, like I like it made me feel- no. It, what it was is it was bigger girls and they were saying like this is the perfect body and you're like that's unhealthy oh yeah yeah they're like overweight yeah. they're like statistically overweight and obese mm -hmm. and everyone was like applauding right they were applauding that like hey let's applaud all the women that are overweight and say like this is perfect but in reality like like they're hurting they're gonna die sooner their kids mm -hmm. are, are missing out because they don't have energy right mm -hmm. that's what you talked about yeah and that was a really powerful statement. It was controversial. And yeah. someone listening right now is like, oh, that's controversial. It's like, well, yeah, like, I'm whatever. like, well, I can say it because I was 65 because pounds you overweight. Were so everyone can say that, yeah. no, that's not true and blah, blah. And I'm like, no, there's, there's a, like, there's a difference, right? Like, like we shouldn't, we shouldn't cap, we shouldn't like talk crap about health and being healthy because it takes work. But at the same time, like my life is completely different now of the things that I can do and how I think about myself and like what I can actually participate in that I would have never done at 65 pounds overweight. And even like, and with we my shouldn't kids have, now. and like yeah. if people were applauding it and, ma and normalizing it for you, then you yeah, wouldn't have been able I, to overcome it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like that, I wouldn't, that I wouldn't have overcome a food addiction right. and like an eating disorder. Yep. If I was told that mm. like how I was like, was like, it was okay to be um, mediocre in my health. Like, yeah. Oh, that's to good. not put so priority good. on my health because like, oh, it's perfect to be this way. And it's like, no, yeah. it wasn't my life internally and mentally and physically of what I can do. Like it wasn't okay. Yeah. Well, even now, I mean, the, one of the most powerful things that you can do in marketing is be controversial. Oh yeah. Like Pick if you, a side of the fence. If you're neutral, no one cares about what you're saying. If you're neutral. Be as polarizing as you can be on what you actually believe and like what industry beliefs you stand for and stand on. And if you're controversial and you pick a side of the fence, like the people who are your perfect customer are waiting for someone to say it and they will align with you and like you'll ride the rocket ship. Like you'll literally ride a rocket ship because you'll get off the fence and people will know where you stand and that they trust what you believe in because they're already thinking the same thing. Yeah. So good. Because no, not everyone's going to like you. So you might as well align with the ones that are like you. Like you should align and join forces with them. You know? Yeah. Well, and if you're trying to just like please everybody, you don't say anything. Yeah, exactly. You're just like lukewarm. Yeah.
just like Ew. chew you up and spit you out. You know, you're just lukewarm. You're nothing. Yeah. It's like, and then one day boring. you'll say something you actually believe and it'll freak everyone out. Yeah. And everybody will freak out because you finally stepped into what you actually believe and who you actually are. The thing that you've been hiding from your entire audience because you're afraid to step on toes or be controversial or uh, like people be opposed to you and you're afraid of all of it. And one day it's going to slip out and then you're going to have an entire like upheaval on your hands and a total right on your hands because people thought you're something that you're not because you try to be everything to everybody. And so I firmly believe you have to stand on like, this is who I am and this is what I believe. And you let the people align with you who have the same type of beliefs and you lock arm in arm and you yourself have freedom and being able to be who you are and lead your group and lead your communities because now I have nothing to hide because the people that are going to hate me already hate me because we have different beliefs and that's mm -hmm. fine. And they're not my customer. That's not the person I want to work with. The victim mentality, not someone I want to work with. They can be mad at me all they want, right? But it'll slip out one day and then it'll cause you a lot more pain. Yeah, that's so good. That's so true. So you guys, you got to be controversial, guys. It's so good. I, I think another mistake um, that we tried to, to make, and this is more of a, a strategy and really relates to any company, mm. is all you need is one message and one product. Yeah. To grow a business. Oh yeah. This is a good one. Right? Like you need one mm -hmm. funnel. Yeah. One offer. Yeah. Like you don't need 10. Yeah. Some people's problem of scaling right now is literally because they're they're trying to introduce more SKUs and more programs and more products to scale. And it's really the opposite. It's really simplifying to scale. And their issue of of scaling right now is because they're trying to introduce way too many things at once. Yeah. So we had we had our hero product, right? Lady at Boss Lady Lean. Boss. It was Lady Boss Lean. So protein shake. And and it's meal replacement yeah. shake. And it was amazing. It was delicious. And it was just we formulated it exactly. We knew who we were formulating it mm -hmm. for and, and it worked. And so that was the hero product of the company. Yeah. And so after we started to scale up, and I would say we were we were probably like somewhere around like running rate, like 20 million or something. Mm -hmm. I, I started to direct our team and go, Hey guys, we've got this front end, right? And this is working. We're advertising this. Let's try to get some of these other products, yep. right? Like the fat burner or the pre-workout. Like, mm -hmm. let's try to get some of these other or products. The collagen. Right. Collagen. The greens. Greens. Like, let's try to get some of these other products to be at the front end. Because I've seen other companies yeah. who that's their front end. Yeah. And if we could just... This company has greens if we as could the just front end. <laughs> add in that as a front end, then we would be the, the same size as them and add it on top of us. And like, it, it sounds good. Yeah. But what you don't realize is like, every time that you add another piece of complexity, right? You actually 12X the complexity. Like one SKU, 12X is complexity. You have a different customer. Yep. You have a different order message. value you have a different message mm -hmm. you have different product to fulfill mm -hmm. like it it, it it cascades everything and so what 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 you what, what kind of like what we realized was is what you need to do is just keep doubling down on the hero product that acquires yeah. customers and then find find on the back end how to increase ltv lifetime value mm -hmm. right so you can have one thing that drives people to the door right like people don't go to chick-fil-a for the salad right? They go for the chicken sandwich yeah, and then they had a milkshake and then they had the fries and then they had the nuggets. And like, <laughs> these are all like bolt on products that add to the conversation that add lifetime value, right? It's like, and so 
And so instead of trying to make everything a hero product or an acquisition mechanism or source of new customers, you just need one. Yeah. Like you could scale, you could scale to $10 million in annual revenue with one thing. Easy. Yeah. But not even another product. Easy without, with one product, right? If there's a market fit for it. And so we spend this time, it's like, Ooh, that worked. Yeah. Now let me go over here and make a challenge and make like six other things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and we, we were so bad at this. Oh my God. And so I think you, you do get to a point, right? You're like, well, Brandon, you guys had, you had physical products, mm-hmm. right? You guys added apparel, you added a coaching program. Look, all of it made money, but I'll tell you if we would have just doubled down on the hero and then iterated it, yeah. I'm telling you right now, if you get this, if you get this right now, like if you double down on the hero product and you iterate, mm-hmm. right? We made different flavors, Yep. right? We, instead of just vanilla, we made different flavors and then we started dropping them. Mm-hmm. That was the biggest initiative we ever did, right? And it was just one idea and it was just iterating what was already working because I don't think you should add complexity to grow until you have to. Yeah. And it, it's, it works the same way with advertising. People are like, oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm dependent on one channel. Right. Oh, you're just on Facebook. Yeah. Right. Or you're just on affiliates. And it's like, yeah, but that's like what you know and you do and you drive that as hard as you can. And then maybe you hire somebody else to go and they develop the water a new places. channel. Yeah. Right. And so we add complexity when we need to to grow, but we don't stop pushing and, and mm-hmm. directing all of our resources here. Yeah. So it's like hire someone else and add to the mix to go find out a new product or a new channel, mm-hmm. but really but don't like, take away from, but don't take away from what you're doing and keep your foot on the gas on what's working. Yeah. There. I just think about the oil field. Like I said, this to, to someone we did a strategy day with the other day is, you know, they're like, Oh, we need to, we need to diversify. We need to diversify on like products or in content and that type of thing. And I was just thinking, well, it's more like an oil field. Like it's like entrepreneurs. We, we have this oil field and uh, and we set up the thing to pump out the oil. What is it called? A pump? No, there's like a specific name for oh, it. Oh man, that's anyways, so bad. Anyways, one, of my, one of my best friends who's in the oil industry is going to laugh at me. He's going to laugh at us. So you start drilling for oil, right? And you hit the oil and you start to make money from this specific well of oil. And so you're making money, the oil's coming out, like it's all great, like you're tapping into it. And then we're like, instead of like, let's drill faster or let's like set up more pumps on this oil well to drill this oil out, we start saying, okay, let's go set up one over there to, to drill oil. No, let's you go start through- go looking, you start going to look for a different piece of land in a different place. Yeah. Like different fields. Right. And, and it's like, no, like you, you've started making money on this. It's working. It's happening. Like you're acquiring customers. Like it is profitable. This it's proven. And then all of a sudden we're like, let's go buy land somewhere else and see what we can pump out of that land. Then all of a sudden you get distracted and you start being like, oh, well, okay, we put, we set our pump up and there's not really any oil here. So let's move the oil on the second. Let's move the the rig on the second field and go see if there's oil here. And oh, okay, maybe it's not there. Meanwhile, you have disregarded the pump that's still pumping out oil. What if you just pump faster? Or what if you set up more rigs there to pump out the oil and we get distracted and we walk away thinking like, oh, we need to go find the next oil well when really you're sitting on top of it and you just need to drill until it's freaking dry. And that includes channels that you're advertising on, the way that your content's working, a product that you have that's converting, like you need to freaking drill that well and drill it faster and drill it with more rigs until that well is completely dried up before you go buy another piece of land. Yeah. And more scale. Mm -hmm. Yeah. More scale. 
everybody says it. Simplicity scales, complexity fails. Yeah. I've, you've probably heard it. I'm not the first person true. to say it. But when you start adding complexity, it slows everything down. Mm-hmm. Right? And And this is like entrepreneurial ADD so, is the worst thing for this. Yeah. And so we this had to kill happens. a lot of things once we figure this out. Cause you said like, if you guys figure this out once we did figure it out and we did like, we had launched, we were launching like a new program every like six weeks, like new programs and new things and new products and all of this and trying to make them front ends and even developing new supplements and doing gummy vitamins and doing our collagen supplement. And then one day we literally realized like, what if we just doubled down on lean? You know, what if we did it? And then as we made that decision and started doubling down on that oil well, right, of, of Lady Boss Lean deciding to do other flavors and attacking it that way, that we realized we're going to, we need to kill like all these other things. Like we need to kill all these things. They can just sit in the store and people that buy them, buy them. And we're going to kill the initiative of all the things that are under development right now and literally just double down on what's working. Yeah. And triple down until we like, literally drill it dry. Yeah, absolutely. So good. So good. I think another thing that, um, that we did in marketing and one of the concepts and principles, and I, I love this one is that when you sell out, you sell out. Yeah. Right. When you sell out, you sell out. And so when you're selling product and if you sell out, you just create more demand. Right. And so this is like a law of an offer is that Mm -hmm. how do you create urgency how do you get people to act now, mm-hmm. right? You have a limited number of spots, right? You have a limited amount of inventory, mm-hmm. right? Like how do, you, how do you create urgency and scarcity in your offer? And so that is the number one way to just pour gasoline on anything, Yeah, right? Like we only work with one person each month, like yeah. Kaylin and I do. And so it's like people want that spot and it's like, that's just what we do. It's like, our capacity to deliver. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like we make it up. It's like our capacity to deliver. Yeah. Cause we want it to right? be awesome. Cause yeah. we, cause we want quality. Right. And so, and so we did this when we would launch apparel and mm-hmm. when we would launch a new flavor of our products, yeah. we would create a limited amount. Mm-hmm. And when it was gone, it was gone. Yep. And so and when you sell out, years. you sell out. And we did this for years and every month. And I'll tell you though, one of the mistakes, mm-hmm. one of the mistakes that we, we did was we overestimated what we could sell. Yeah. And then there was, there were some times where we wouldn't sell out and people knew, man, people know, people yeah. know when Yeezys are, are sold out and the price goes up on the secondary market and you got to buy a pair of tennis shoes for like $700. Yeah. Right. Like they sell out every time, but you can't get greedy. Right. Yeah. And, and I don't know if it was greedy. It was just like over projecting no, over projected because like, you're like oh but i want everyone to have an opportunity to buy it yeah but like you gotta you like it too fast you've yeah you've gotta you gotta hold that demand right you know the barbecue places yeah they're like if you there's guys are people talking about it yeah you're like oh you gotta go to this barbecue place because there's a line around the street and like it's probably going to sell out yeah. you know or it sells out every morning i'm like guys they could make enough meat like yeah. let's be real yeah, yeah they could but they know Yes. That if they keep a line, then they're always going to have a line. Yeah, and that's why it's the number one place that everyone wants to go. And it draws them in because once they get it, they're like, I've eaten there. I stood in the line. Like, it's like a badge of honor, you know? Yep. <laughs> and so, like, it's okay to deny some clients every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Like, it's okay to sell out. Yep. Right? Like, the long game, it's okay. In the short game, you're like, yeah, you're probably missing some revenue. Mm-hmm. But in the long game, you're not. 
because it just com- creates pressure and that demand pressure just continues to grow yeah. because people want what they can't have. Yeah. And so there'd be like, it's like my kids, it's like, <laughs> it's like when we watch our daughters play, we have a four-year-old and a one-year-old <laughs> yeah. and it's like, whatever toy the other one has, that's the one they want. Yep. Right. Absolutely. Every or time. like whatever toy that's not in their toy chest, that's the one they want. Yep. Because that's, that's how we are. That's like our human nature. Mm-hmm. And so you got to use that in marketing, but you can't get too greedy with it. Yeah. You can't overestimate it. You scale it really slow. Mm-hmm. Very, very slow. Not too fast. Yep. One thing that I see a lot of people make the mistake of, and we made as well, when it comes to spending a bunch of time creating stuff organically. Yeah. Like you have copywriters, mm-hmm. right? And now we got amazing tools, AI tools. Yeah. Right. There's uh we talk a lot about that in your program and Jasper's a great tool. Mm-hmm. People are giving chat GPT amazing commands. But what's even better than chat GPT is words that your customers are actually <laughs> using. Yeah. Right? Like yep. like an artificial intelligence doesn't have the same feelings mm-hmm. that your customers do. Yeah. And so one of the mistakes that and we it doesn't know your customer like you do. Right. I think that's the point. It's totally. like they don't it doesn't know your customer at all. Definitely. And and so people people who are your customer have all the thoughts, feelings, and emotions that you need to appeal to in order to get more customers. Mm-hmm. And so some of the best ads that we've ever run were literally words from their mouths, yeah. their reviews, mm-hmm. their comments, yeah. their feedback that they wrote. Like we just used their words. Like, yeah. why did you buy? Mm-hmm. Because I had XYZ problem, XY, like, like take a review, put stars on it. Like so, these are some of the best things. Like all we really care about is if somebody else thinks this thing works. Like nobody believes what you say about yourself. Yeah. Like they just don't yeah. like, like they listen, mm-hmm. right. But they don't necessarily believe it unless they trust you. Yeah. Right. And they trust you through third party credibility. Yeah. And, and then, so there's that component, but then there's also, I, I, you mix that along with the fact that the exact emotions that you're trying to capture. And so we're trying to write all this copy and do all this stuff. But like when it comes to ads, right? Like writing offers and, mm-hmm. and your, your sales material and marketing sales material, pages, yeah. like I, I think use, use your customer's words as a base, but you've, you've obviously got to transfigure that a little bit more and expand it. But it's such an easy way. You're like, Oh, I don't know what to post. I don't know what to write. How do I make an ad? It's yeah. like, what are your customers so already like, saying? There's layers to this, right? What you're saying, there's like the two different types of their words. And number one would be like words that they actually use and what they saying, like they're struggling with and what they want. And then there's number two, their words in the terms of their review about what you've done. And so yeah. talking in terms, I think that one's very simple, like using testimony, using quotes from customers everywhere, like using the things that they're saying about your business and about your products. Those are very important. But I think more important than that, in, in business, a mistake that a lot of people make and we did in the beginning is trying to guess at what our customers wanted. Like literally guessing at like, oh, they want to lose weight because of XYZ reasons. And it's me trying to craft the message of, okay, here's what they want and here's what they're going to want in it, right? And here's the content that they're going to resonate, that's going to resonate with them. And then after like a lot of things flopped or like didn't get the views that I wanted or didn't get the engagement um, really we, we came to this point of developing what we call the pain and dream bank. And so with this pain and dream bank, we basically wrote out like 
comments from customers. Like we went to social media, I would read the comments and be like, here's what they're saying their pain is. I post this post. It's like, what's the number one, your number one uh, struggle you're having right now in losing weight. Um, and people commented and said, here's my number one struggle. And we took those exact words, like copied and pasted into this Excel sheet with the pain on the left and the dream on the right. Like I, like I, you know, I can't get myself motivated, but, and the dream would be, but I want, I want to have enough energy to run around and play with my kids in the backyard and ride a bike for the first time. Right. And so we would use, I would use those exact words in videos to create content. And I would go back all the customer surveys and why people joined Lady Boss and why they bought products. We would survey them and ask them and it would all go in the pain dream make. And so when it's time for me to make content and to make videos, I would literally, the first thing I do is go to the pain and dream make and say, okay, which one of these, like, I can't get motivated. All right. What do I think about motivation? Like, how would I tell someone to deal with the term motivation, right? Or with this struggle that they're having. And that's how to create content for and on. And I would just work my way down through the pains and down through the dreams on this list. And because it was their exact words that I would use back to them, they're like, oh my gosh, Kaylin understands me. She gets me. She knows where I'm at. And then it allowed me to tell parts of my story that maybe normally I wouldn't have told. But now that we're talking about motivation, let me tell you my struggle with motivation in my story, right? And then like how I achieved that dream of losing the weight um, on this topic of motivation. So it really gives you like endless content. And this this pain and dream bank, it's a living and breathing document. And every time you have customers coming in, you should be asking them like, why did you start with us? What's your number one struggle? And what are you trying to achieve? So you can really see the patterns inside of your customer, inside of your customer base of what is it that people actually want? What is the result they're trying to get by starting in this business with you? So you can make sure that you're actually like doing that for them. Yeah. And guys, think about it. Like the title of this show <laughs> is big business mistakes. Yeah. Like we're trying to appeal to the pain of making mistakes. Yeah. And 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 you're you going, oh wow, like I'd love to learn about the mistakes that these successful people made so I can learn from them, mm -hmm. but so I don't have to make them. Yep. So like we'll do a lot to avoid pain or get, we'll do even more to get out of pain, but we'll do a lot yeah. to avoid pain. Right? But we don't do as much for the desire or the dream right? Like if like nobody leaves their house and is like outside of their neighborhood, like on the highway and turns around because they forgot to take their vitamins. No. Right? No. Like nobody does that. No. No. But if you were in pain and yeah. you're like back is, you're having back spasms yep. and you forgot to take your painkiller, you'll yep. turn around and you'll yep. go back to your house True. and you'll take your painkiller. Mm -hmm. Right? And so like big business mistakes, that's the idea, right? That's, that's literally the pain. And so at some point, we're all trying to run away from some pain or run towards some dream that we have. And so when you get really clear on those two things with your customer avatar, I mean, you're just like, you just, you supercharge your, your messaging, you yeah. supercharge your marketing. Yeah. Like every time you write a sales page, you should be opening that up and being like, what's the things that they actually want? And you'll see patterns. It becomes buckets of like, people will talk about motivation in different ways. Like out of this list of hundreds, you know, of, of inquiries, yeah, and, and right? health, hundreds it's of energy, yeah. motivation, yeah. like not looking good on the beach, not liking who I see in the mirror. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, you know, wearing my shirt at the yeah. lake. It's yeah. all of these same exact things that people are saying. Yeah. And like, that's like what spawned out of, 
uh, for us in enterprise CEO, it's like my pain as a founder led company, you know, growing big for the first time, not knowing what I was doing, not knowing how to build a team, not knowing how to, how, not knowing how to structure my organization, not knowing the legal pitfalls that I had to go through, not knowing that I shouldn't be wasting my time on different products instead of like hero, not knowing on, not, not knowing simplicity. And it's one thing to get a concept. It's another to like have someone to help walk you through decisions. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what we get to do now. And it's so cool, but it was born. The whole idea was born out of the pain that we went through and said, yeah. like, we want to change and most the way. businesses are. We wanna... Most businesses are are born out of a pain that someone had. Totally. And something they were struggling with. And there wasn't anything yeah. for that. And most businesses are born that way. And then we forget we forget that's how we need to communicate our message is in terms of that pain and dream that we were after. Yeah. That's the best way to acquire customers. Cause then cause then what happens is we get educated. Yeah. And that's and we... the worst thing that happens <laughs> to us. Cause we get educated. And then everything turns into techno babble. It turns yeah. into like all of this like scientific speak. And it's like, yeah. you ever, you ever meet someone and they're like, like, oh yeah, man. Like you ever heard of like red light therapy and like the mitochondria and the yeah. cellular wall and yeah. the penetration of calcium and blah, blah, <laughs> blah. And so like you learn all You're of like, this. You're like, bro, I'm just trying yeah. to get out the drive through man. Yeah. You learn all this like information <laughs> about a product and you start spewing spewing all this like scientific education, right? And we got to educate people to sell, but we need to like, people don't, people don't buy like the, the, the science story. Like that's not what, mo like it's important. It's a mm -hmm. part of it, but they're not, that's not what drives purchases. Like mm -hmm. most of the purchases we make in our, in our entire life, like almost all of them are emotionally driven. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And there's a logic driven side. And so like a lot of people are split. Like I'm very logic driven. Mm -hmm. Like I would say you're probably more emotionally driven. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like I buy. That's why every time I'm having a bad day, uh, you have a talk with me on our credit card statement. <laughs> <laughs> See, and I'm logic. I'm like, I just sold. Like I, when we moved to Austin, right? We moved to Austin. I had three motorcycles. Actually, yeah. before we moved, I had three, four motorcycles. Yep. Two, side by side. two quads yeah. and a side-by-side. -side. And Logic was like, all right, dude, which ones are you really using, mm -hmm. right? Because I liked all of them. Like I'd use them all, but it'd be like once a year. Yeah. And so I sold everything. I have one motorcycle now. I sold the second to last one like two days ago. So sad, like watching it. But like I'm Logic, I'm like, I'm not using it. And the money I have in it could be put to use, either invested yeah. or or put to use in some other way where it's actually going to get used, right? Yeah. So it's like, that's like the logical side. Well, and it's cool too when you think about it because a lot of times content creators will tell me all the time, like how, like, how do I get more topics to talk about when we talk about like the pain and dream bank? Fresh ideas. It, it becomes- How do you get like, fresh ideas? The, if you just think the term motivation and you're like, oh, well, I already did a video on that. I've already done several videos on that. But when you use the pain and dream bank, you have a million different ways of saying and talking about motivation because every person says it differently. And so this person might say like, I can't get motivated, but this person might say, I can't get motivated to get out of bed. And this person might say, I can't get motivated to get to the gym. And this person might say, I can't get motivated to eat healthy mm. or I can't get motivated to like do work. And so you see it listed out in a million different ways that you can talk about one topic of motivation. And they're like, oh, they hear it. They're like, oh, she understands me. Yeah, exactly. I get it. Yeah. She gets me. 
and man, we feel like understood. We feel validated. Like that's when we make decisions, right? Like that's when we do it. I think uh, another big mistake that I made in marketing was when we started, I, we literally delegated out. Um, we delegated out like the, all of the like creative strategy to tactical team members. And so what I mean by that is like, I was the one that was on the strategic level doing creative, like having creative thought and vision and like, Oh, we should do this. And let me write the copy for that. And I'll create the, like the, the copy for the ads or I'll create the, the script for the, for the video. Right. And then there came a time where it was like, okay, delegate these things away and let our graphic designers create the ads. And we'd be like, okay, here's what's working. Here's what's not working. And then it would be their job to go make the ads, to go make the actual deliverables for it. And at some point, like I was taken out of, I stepped out of the process of the creative and the strategy. And then it was like up to the graphic designers to just put whatever copy on ads that they wanted to put on or to put whatever type of graphic on a video that they wanted to put on. And then it really became like the special sauce that was there all of a sudden was removed. Right. And things weren't converting as well. And it was, it was something that was just kind of delegated away to a tactical player that didn't have that creative strategy brain that didn't have that copywriting like skill set. You're talking um, about before we brought in a creative strategist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And so once, once we, I, we kind of realized that mistake, then I went back to, um, and did this for the last several years. So I went back to once a week, I would literally come up with like, here's like five new ads for this week. Like, here's what the graphic's going to look like. And I talked about this in the, um, uh, the, the masterclass that I did on, you know, content and being an attractive character is that every week I would literally dissect what was working, what wasn't. I would look at other people's ads. I would look at things and save them that stopped me in my feed that made me look at them like good copy or great graphics or good movement or great engagement. And I would save them. And then I would literally write out like, okay, we're going to do an ad like this one that I saw that stopped me in my own feed. We're going to do an ad like this. We're going to do a piece of content like this. And then here's exactly what this ad is going to say. And here's exactly the copy that's going to go um, like in the in the body copy. And here's exactly like what is going to happen in each set, each scene of this video. Here's exactly what's going to happen. And then the the creatives on the team, the graphic designers, the video guys, they were able to take that that marketing scope is what I called it and go make the creative. And then they would run it through iterations of having like three different types of, of body copy yeah. off of my version one. And so the mistake was? The mistake was definitely like removing myself from the creative process and allowing, yeah. yeah, too soon. Like you over, you over delegated. Yeah. And it, I don't even mean I, too I rem- soon. I just like, I literally mean like I, there was no longer the brain that comes up, that knows the copy, that knows the customer, that knows like what's going to hit for them and what language to speak on the ads that calls them in. Like yeah. there was no longer that person present. And it was just the literal tactical designers just coming up with words on screen and throwing stuff well, out Designers there. and copywriters for sure. It wasn't yeah. like graphic editors were coming up with copy. No, we had, yeah. we had both individuals. Yeah, totally. But then we got to the point where we, you, you mentored up one of our team members yeah. in the creative strategy and that was mm-hmm. the position, yep. right? And the creative strategist, all they did mm-hmm. was take very high level vision from you. And then the same process that you teach, you created and then handed off 
to her. Yeah. So then she could run with the team, right? And this yeah. is like a creative director, creative manager, st creative strategist. Those are like the titles that you hear for it, mm -hmm. where their job, your job is to equip them, give them the vision for what we're trying to do. And yeah. so, and so I have this pyramid, I call it the team value pyramid. And, um, it's basically, there's like three dimensions of what's going on. I'm gonna try to explain it, but basically at the top you have vision and these are, this is like what the CEO, the entrepreneur, the leadership team is trying to do, mm -hmm. right? Cast vision. Yep. Here's a direction we're going. Here's the vision for creative. Yeah. Here's the vision for what we want to do in, in, in on Here's social on this platform. Yeah. And then there's strategy, right? A strategy would be like, okay, we're going to do testimonies and we're going to kind of make them look like this and we're going to include reviews here. And like, that's a strategy, right? Or the, the strategy is to use be posting in the afternoon at like five o'clock. Cause that's like the high peak time. Like mm -hmm. that's a strategy, or right? There's a trend that's working right now. That's taking right? off and we should do that. And so every function in a business needs that strategy mm -hmm. from someone who's, who's, who's good at it. And yep. as you work. And, and so, so that's the second layer on the pyramid. And the third one, the third layer on the pyramid is manage or create process. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's like, the actual like conveyor belt yeah. <laughs> that gets this accomplished, mm -hmm. right? And so, and so that's a different level of person. And then at the bottom, you have the tactical, the independent producer, the executor, like where the rubber meets the road, the person who pushes the, the button to publish the content, the person who actually types the copy, the person who rigs up the ad set, the person who designs the image, right? Yep. That's at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And so, so she was delegating strategic tasks. Yeah in that, in that second tier of the pyramid mm -hmm. to someone who really was at the tactical level. Yeah. Yeah. And so as you go up that pyramid, it costs more money for those people. Mm -hmm. And so, and so that's, a, and that's a mistake, right? And so you have to be like in each kind of like function of a business, right? Marketing being a function, sales being a function, um, operations being a function, customer experience, fulfillment being a function, right? In each function, you need to have you need to have input at each level, mm -hmm. right? And yep. the right amount of people. Yeah. Right? So for a long time, and it all overlaps in the beginning. It if was really like the middle of the pyramid was missing, <laughs> you yeah. know, like totally in that, in that role. Yeah, and you're like, here's scenario. the vision. And then you gave that to a bunch of people that were like, they could create the process yeah. and tactically execute it, but they couldn't like formulate the strategy enough to get results. Yep. Right. Yeah. That yeah. Was a big one. And, and so that, so that was a, that was a big one in terms of, in terms of marketing. Now, man, one thing um, that I've I've done wrong for sure is trying to put creatives in a box. Yeah, yes and amen. <laughs> yes and amen. As a creative yourself, yeah. you're like, don't put me in a box. <laughs> I just want options. Yeah, give me options. Mm -hmm. Yeah, give me freedom. When we were working with um, a lot of influencers, we realized really quick it's like when you work with influencers. That's like what they do. Mm -hmm. They create content. They know how to get eyeballs and views and engagement. Yeah, including myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you are uh, you are the influencer of influencers. Like no, I just mean like what you're about to say. Like I totally experienced this just inside of our business, me myself. Yeah, and then like that that kind of culture we took outside onto other people. Yeah, yeah. So we're like. It was funny. We, we'd hand him a video. We're like, here's our highest performing video. Mm -hmm. Make something like do this. And then we're like, say all of these things and like, make sure to show the product and do this. And like, we did that. And the videos were awful. Yeah. They were like, so like, 
they felt so fake. Like they and had like, a whole doc of like step by step. Yeah, we had a whole doc we sent to them. And it was looked so scripted and just off and no personality and no fun. And then we're like, all right, we got the video back. I watched it and I was like, oh yeah. So so we sent it back. We're like, just make sure to just like take this product and just make it in your kitchen and then just do that. Do your thing. Do your thing. Do you be you and like get people excited. It was like, that's it. And then it was like total change. And so I learned right there, like we were doing a photo shoot yesterday mm-hmm. and, and I was like, I don't know what we're going to do. You're the creatives. I'm like, that's not me. I'm like, <laughs> I let the creatives create. Yeah. And like, don't put them in a box, like let them do their work and let them operate in their zone. So if you're in like the, the integrator structure type of person, you're like, just, just let them like have all their options and paint their picture. Mm-hmm. And then just make sure you measure their success so you can tell them which one worked. Yeah. And then they'll do more of it. Well, and it's like, and, don't put them in a box. <laughs> yeah. Don't put us in a box. No, get us out of here. But I think on the, on the flip side of that too, like there's certain boundaries that you have to keep creatives in, like think like boundary lines and not like, you know, firm structure. Oh, you do want boundaries, huh? Yeah. Well, okay. boundaries, it kind of, and, and what I realized kind of going through it and going from like not having any boundaries, not having any lines to have to stay in to then it was like swung to the exact opposite end of the spectrum. And it was like so many boundaries. And like, I felt like I was being trapped. My process and my creativity was being trapped in process and spreadsheets all the time to where like it literally hindered creativity for me. Um, And then it was like, we kind of found the middle ground of having boundaries around what things should look like Like and how they should happen. Just like, okay, uh, timelines on things and like before it'd just be like oh whenever you do it right and then actually having oh, you, timelines you like some deadlines no i don't like them but i know that it's needed for me yeah you work <laughs> if that really makes well sense. No, like, you, you work really well with deadlines yeah and so um I've i would say it. i would say that's one i would say um boundaries of like communication during uh, creative process like making sure that things are being actually communicated to teams like having other people like coming in and and see and look and be a part of the process. But then also being like, I'm going to go do my thing. And what do you guys think? Or how should we build this together? And so having that, having that little like, so you like collaboration mm-hmm. when you're coming up with ideas. Yeah. Like, Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. But you know, sometimes you're like, okay, don't put them in a box. So no meetings, no, no, yeah. no getting together, no any of that. I'm just saying that's not what it was like. Like there was meetings, the, the strategic meetings at strategic level saying, here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we need. And then allowing me at that point to have freedom in what I was going to create, not just being like on an island. I was never on an island. Um, but, you know, and I'm also someone that absolutely hates meetings. So I never like wanted to do it, but it was good having it because it, it just the result of the things being created became so much better because it was in alignment with the actual goal. Love it. It's such a tug and pull. Business is like yeah. such a tug and pull between ideas, vision, esoteric thinking. Yeah. And then like over here on like process and implementation. And mm-hmm. it's like you cannot have it. Like it's a constant war, mm-hmm. you know? Because yeah. you could just process yourself to death and then you're on this treadmill of like just not creating results or making it rain. And then on the other side, the other side of the spectrum, you can literally just ideate yourself and vision yourself to death and like have no 
like fluidity and no conveyor belt for things to get done and, and move them forward. It's like, it takes that yin and yang. I think the perfect example of this is in our swag when we were doing apparel and we would custom make like all of this swag. And in the beginning, I was very much like even trying to put a different, our, our swag designer, like in a box of what I wanted him to do. And I'd be like, this is the exact pattern that I want on it. The exact colors, the, like the exact quote, like the exact everything. And then um, and things would come back and be like, okay, this is really good. This is really good. And it wasn't until like he decided to kind of step outside of the box and be like, Hey, I made some ideas that I think would be good and would look good. What do you think? And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is way better than what I had said. Like, this is, you know, this is like next level because I allowed him that, like, I didn't allow him at first, but he went and took that creative freedom on his own. And the things that came back were like even better. So after that, like, that's when it went from being inside the box of like, here's what I want you to do to this creative, like, here's how I want it made. Here's everything to down to the bullet points of how it should be done. And then he stepped out and it was way better. And then after that, like, I gave him the freedom. I said, here's the quote that needs to go on it. And like, here's the color panels that I like for this outfit that I'd like to make happen. And then gave him the freedom to go and make up whatever that was. And from that point, like our swag, just it, it turned over an, a new leaf of just giving him the creative freedom to go do what he's best at. Like that's what we hired him to do. So why am I putting him in a box when like he's done apparel yeah, good. and so he's good. done designs? And why am I putting him in a box when like this is what he does, yeah. right? And so allow the the lines to shift and boundaries to change, you know, and and let creative step outside the rocks because you'll you'll find that things become way better when you do. Yeah. I was, I was thinking about like equipping people, mm-hmm. right? It's like when you equip someone with the right tools or the right guidelines, and it's like just enough. Yeah. So that's what creatives want. They just want just <laughs> enough guidelines. Yeah. But that's like, bit. you got to find that. Like, give me like an atmosphere of what you want it in. Like what universe are we in? And then like, okay, like I'll take it down from there. Yeah. Give me like the universe of the <laughs> galaxy and then I'll pick the solar system and the planet. You yeah, know? exactly. But that's it though. That's like leadership. It's like vision or strategy. Like how, how far down the pyramid are you going to go in detail when you mm-hmm. give direction? Yeah. Because the further down you go, the more you're, you're, ne- you're necessary. You yeah. Know? And like, that, that's why it's so hard for entrepreneurs to delegate. It's like, mm-hmm. we want to be needed. We really want to be busy yeah. and we really want to be needed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when I think we also are scared to let go of control. Yeah. Of oh, those for things, because sure. we did them first before it was someone else's job. Most yeah. of the things that we're handing and off, we, both we did, did them first, right? Yeah, we both. And did so that. it's hard to let go of those things. Yeah, we both did that. Like I didn't want to let go of control of like running meetings. Like I didn't want to let go of control of like just decisions. Like mm-hmm. you know, first it's first it's you're doing all the tasks, mm-hmm. and then you start handing off the tasks. Yep. Right. And then you start delegating decision making. Mm-hmm. And that's like where it gets scary. Yeah. That's where it gets hard. Right. Yeah. And then you start delegating approvals. Right. And so it's like the higher level people you have, the more, dis- the higher level decisions you can delegate. And then all of a sudden, like you're in a world where if you have the right people, like magic can happen without you. That's when you have a real business. Right. Yeah. Well, you can't you can't create any leverage for yourself that way, you know? And so you keep trying to get bigger and you keep holding on to little things like the color, the colors that you want something to specifically be and giving so much granular direction that no one else gets the opportunity to take responsibility and prove themselves. Yep. 
No, that's so good. That's so good. Guys, this has been such a good podcast on marketing. <laughs> I, I'm learning stuff right now, just like <laughs> recapping and going through all of these things that we've, we've yeah, we've, like we've pulling been it out from the back of your head, you know? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, and it's it's reminding me. It's a lot of fun. So hopefully, you guys have loved the journey with us today. Thanks for jumping on the Big Business Mistakes show with Kaylin and I. Um, we're, we're we're pumped about what's to come. We got some great guests that we're going to be bringing on. Mm-hmm. Some people that you guys are going to love to hear oh, from. We yeah. hear some juicy stuff. Oh, we're going to yeah. hear hear some. We're going to dig deep in them. Some more mistakes <laughs> and make people sweat and yeah. uh, and get some lessons <laughs> for you guys, so you don't have to make those mistakes. So smash the like button, subscribe, blah blah do blah, the thing. all the things. We really appreciate it. No, we really. <laughs> We really do appreciate that you guys watch and listen and we want your feedback. We want this to be your show. So send us your ideas. Tell us about the mistakes that you've made. We want to hear what's resonated with you guys. Or or what specific area like you want to learn in. Yeah. And if you like, like, man, that like whatever your nugget was, like if you got a nugget today, like you only need one thing from this. Like that's all you come for. You see one thing that's going to change for you. Like drop a review. Drop a review and, and tell us the nugget and, and why it was good for you. We want to read those as Maybe well. Maybe we'll do a whole episode on it. Yeah, we could do a whole episode. I like that. All right, guys. Thanks for being with us today. We'll see you next time.